So is that you, God? Is that you, God? Have you ever wondered that? And maybe you don't use the God word. Maybe use another word for that force, that presence for spirit. Is that you? Is that you? Well, a woman was walking down the street deep, deep in thought. She'd recently been divorced and was just struggling and deep in thought. And all of a sudden she hears this voice, watch out! And she stops and a brick falls from a story building. She just misses it. <sighs> Saved. Walks down a little bit further. And all of a sudden she hears that same voice, stop, don't take another step. She stops and a car just careens right in front of her. She's saved again. She wonders, who the heck are you? What are you? Voice yells back, I'm your guardian angel. I bet you have a few questions for me. She says, yes, where were you on my wedding day? <laughs> yeah, is that you, God? Is that you, God? Do you ever feel like you could sure use guardian angel, whatever that evokes for you when I say those words. And of course, you know, we're not talking anthropomorphically here, but nonetheless, language does get in our way. And yet, I think that we probably can all relate to just needing comfort at times, right? Needing the assurance that we are not alone, that there is something, some presence, some force for good, something that can help us find our way when we feel lost, something that can guide us to a point of clarity, is that you, God? God doesn't touch us directly, but I believe that God's Spirit touches us consistently in any variety of ways, one of those certainly through others through something that someone might say at just the moment we need to hear it. Has that ever happened to you? Been really maybe wondering about something, trying to find your way through something, trying to make a decision, and you're maybe talking to a friend, or you even overhear a conversation that another is having, and all of a sudden, what that friend says, or that conversation you overhear, there's something in that that you just recognize is exactly what you needed. Nod your head if you had that happen. Yeah. And if you were with me last week or tuned in last week, when you recognize that that was just what you needed, oftentimes there's a sensation in the body, a gut feeling, a, a resonance or God bumps or whatever, where we go, oh, wow, that really is my answer. That really is what I needed just just then. Sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need when we are in the midst of our own struggle and our own difficulty and, and asking for our own guidance and needing our guardian angel, so to speak. In the very midst of that, we've got to also be mindful to always keep our hearts open, to realize that we may be the answer to somebody else's prayer that we may be the mouthpiece or the hands or the inspiration for exactly what somebody else needs. We may know it or we may not know it, but to keep that part of ourselves open. Many years ago, there was an article in the Reader's Digest that, um, that I've saved in my files because it so moved me then and it still moves me today. 
It was a story that happened, the first part of the story in 1949, and then ended about 50 years later. But the story was that a man had come home from the war and was relieved and excited to finally be home. However, he was met with some very, very sad news. His mother was seriously ill, was in the hospital, and was dying of kidney failure. And he was there with her, so distraught that here this was happening to his beloved mother. He had just served. He was so grateful to be, to be home. And the doctors had said to him that your mother has only days to live. Her kidneys are failing, and she needs a blood transfusion. And back in those days, there weren't the blood banks and the easy way to, to get blood transfusions. And so the only way really to help her was if a family member matched the blood type. Well, she was AB negative. And if you know anything about blood types, that is the most rare blood type. I'm AB positive, and it's like 6%. AB negative, it's even less, less than that. And the family was typed, and nobody was a match. And so the, the father, the man, was just beside himself, left the hospital knowing that he should go get the rest of the family to come to the hospital that his mother, their grandmother, wasn't going to make it. And as he was driving home to get the rest of the family, deep in his own grief, and I think that's an important part of the story, Deep in his own grief, he saw a hitchhiker back in the days when it was safer or safe to hitchhike. And the hitchhiker was a soldier. And something in him just caused him to kind of realize he needed to stop and pick up that hitchhiker, even though he was in his own grief. And he did, and the hitchhiker, the soldier, came into the car. And the man said nothing. The father said nothing. But tears were streaming down his face. And the soldier noticed and asked what was happening. And the man told him, my mother is in the hospital. I'm going to get my family. The doctors say she's not going to make it, but another couple of days. She's dying of kidney failure, and she needs a blood transfusion, and we can't help her. She's AB negative. Well, you can guess what the rest of the story is. The soldier takes out his dog tags, shows it to the driver, and on the dog tags, is his blood type, AB negative. And he says to the man, turn the car around. Let's go help your mother. She lived another 47 years from that transfusion. I think about that. I think about what it is when we're in our own grief and struggle. And we can all, if we're not there right now, and I hope you're not, but if you are in a period of grief and struggle or can remember being in periods of heaviness, grief, struggle, how human it is and understandable it is to kind of shut down. And yet, I think as spiritually minded people, our practice is not to deny what it is that we are feeling or dealing with our, in our own lives, but to also keep our hearts ever open to those around us. Sometimes we need a guardian angel, and sometimes I think we are the guardian angel. Sometimes we are the answer to somebody else's prayer, just as at other times others are the answers to our prayers. I wrote in my notes, 
We need to keep our angel wings dusted, and we do so by, one, following up on our impulses to extend kindness. And this is certainly a time of year where that's probably more in our mind than ever, to follow up on our impulses to extend kindness. I'm smiling because I'm getting this vision of, what if we were all the most kind drivers in the parking lots of the busy stores right now? And let, I was coming out of the church the other day um, during, uh, during rush hour. And if you're ever here trying to leave between 4 o'clock and 5 o'clock, it's very hard to make a right-hand turn out of the parking lot onto Activity Road because there's so many cars that are coming nonstop off of um, Camino Ruiz. And um, so I'm driving out of the parking lot, waiting my turn, finally getting there because the cars all line up. You can't even see. It's a blind spot. And I decide I'm going to be the kindest driver driving down Activity Road. Well, I was kind to all the cars that wanted to come in, stopping letting them get onto Activity Road just like it was hard for me to. But hearing the horns behind me knock, banging on their you know, horn, because for them it wasn't very kind. So I don't know how we resolve both there, right? But anyway, that's why I was smiling. Following up on our impulses to extend kindness from the simplest kinds of ways and places, to the much more deep and meaningful ways and places. I think that the world is suffering from a lack of civility and kindness today. And I believe there's so much that each and every one of us can do to be a little bit kinder, to be a little more mindful, to treat each other as if we belong to each other. Martin Luther King Jr. used to talk about creating the beloved community, the idea that we belong to each other. It's a very spiritual, very spiritual concept. So when we keep our angel wings dusted, when we follow up on our impulses to extend kindness, when we pay attention to what's going on around us, where is the hurt? Where is the need? What in me, what in you can be an answer to somebody else's prayer? to be their guardian angel, if you will, to be the voice, the hands of spirit moving through you toward another. Because in reality, spirit, God, whatever you call that divine presence and energy, doesn't have hands, doesn't have feet, or has all of our hands and all of our feet and all of our hearts and all of our minds and all of our beings to be the embodiment of that kind of, of love and kindness. So sometimes we are the ones that need to be touched by an angel. How many of you remember that show? I, I was one of those people that loved that show, to be touched by an angel. And other times, we are meant to be the angel. I was looking for just some simple little examples to share with you. Here's one from Leslie, Leslie Wagner from Peel, Arkansas. I, don't, I know where Arkansas is. I don't know where Peel, Arkansas is. But she wrote in to, to a, a blog column about the man who helped her in the market. She was in the checkout line, and she had her groceries um, being rung up. And when the cashier gave her the amount, she realized she was short by about $12 or $15. And so she started to take the groceries out so that she could pay with what she had. And the man behind her said, no, no, don't worry about that. Here's a, here's a 20. And Leslie said, well, I can't take that. That's very nice of you, but I can't take that. And he says, yes, you can. You'd be helping me 
keep a promise I made to my mother. And she said, what do you mean, a promise you made to your mother? And he said to her, my mom's in the hospital and I've been bringing her flowers every single day. And she got mad at me today and said, would you stop bringing me flowers every single day? You don't need them every single day. Take that money and go do something nice for someone. He said, so you're helping me help my mom to keep my promise to my mom. Or this little one from Stacy Lee in Columbia, Maryland. Money was tight for her. She was in a consignment store and saw a really pretty little um, fancy dress, like holiday dress that she wanted to buy her granddaughter. She just knew her granddaughter would really like this, this dress. And so she brought it up to the cashier and asked if the cashier would hold it for her a bit because she didn't have all the money then. She would come back maybe the week later to buy it. And another woman behind her heard her asking the cashier, could you hold this for me? I don't have quite have all the money right now, but I want it. My granddaughter would love it. And the woman said, can I buy the dress for you for your granddaughter? And of course, Stacy says to this complete stranger, no, that, I can't accept that. Isn't it interesting how often we shut out the good that's trying to come to us, right? Whether it's from pride or an embarrassment. And when we do, when another is really trying to extend some some gift to us, some kindness, some good to us, and we don't accept it and accept it graciously, we really deny them the opportunity to do the very thing that they're maybe being guided to do to make mom happy. <laughs> so anyway, um, the woman says to her, no, I really want to do this for you because only a few years ago I had been living on the street. And it was only through the kindness of strangers during those couple of years that I was living on the street that I was able to eventually pick myself back up and get out of that situation. And I made myself a promise that if I did, I would never forget the kindness that others extended to me. And so I need to, I want to do this for you. Sometimes we need that angel. Sometimes we need spirit working through the good heart, the goodwill of another to solve a problem for us or to meet a need for us. But other times we are meant to be that for another person. And this is why I think the practice, and I believe it's a practice, the practice of keeping our hearts open, the practice of paying attention, not being so focused in in just our own world and our own responsibilities, but being aware of the world around us, the people around us, and being willing to step in and step up in whatever way life is inviting us to participate. And the beauty to me is we're not talking about huge, big things, right? But the rippling effect of that kind of goodness is powerful and is important. I want to close with another story, and I hope I can do this one justice. It's a story from Paul Harvey. Raise your hand if you remember Paul Harvey. You have to be a certain age, probably, to remember Paul Harvey. And if you are of the age where you don't remember Paul Harvey, go ahead and look him up. In fact, I posted some, a piece of his on our church Facebook page just yesterday a piece I know I would have heard years ago, but i completely forgotten it. It's called A Letter from God. It's about eight minutes long. Listen to it. I'll give you a link to his YouTube with him, with that famous, deep, deliberate voice. But listen to it, um, A Letter from God. But this is another story 
Paul Harvey's story, Saved by a Guardian Angel. If you don't know who he was, he was a radio broadcaster for ABC News. He broadcast news and comment on mornings and on middays and on, and then on, I think it was Saturdays at noontime, he would do his rest of the story, rest of the story. I've got, I think, the two volumes of his books, the rest of the story. So this is one of his rest of the stories. It has to do with a woman by the name of Drajika, I think I'm saying her name right, Drajika Blocko of Richmond, Washington. And she was recovering from very painful shoulder surgery in 2002. The doctors had prescribed all different kinds of meds for her. She was taking the meds, but they weren't doing super, super good job. And so she started to have a habit of going out for a late night, late afternoon, late night walk to try to clear her mind from what the meds were doing in, you know, in her head. And so she goes out one night and she's walking along the Columbia River to clear her, her brain and to kind of see if that might not help her deal with the pain that she has in her shoulder. When during that walk, something happens and she sees a guardian angel. Now you have to back up because about an hour or so earlier, Bowie Simpson and his roommate Jim were hosting a Halloween party. And all their friends were over, dressed in costume, having a great time at their house at this Halloween party. And as the evening is wearing on, there's lots of conversation, lots of food, lots of laughter, when all of a sudden Jim looks around and realizes that his roommate, Bowie, is missing, and he's quite concerned about it. And so all his friends decide they better look around. They don't see him anywhere in the house, so they decide to go outside and see if they can find their roommate, Bowie, outside. And sure enough, they find Bowie, and Bowie is right out by the levee, Columbia River. It's cold, it's dark, and there is Drajika. Drajika is lying prostate on the ground, practically delirious. She had been walking along the edge of the riverbank, and remember all those meds for her shoulders, trying to clear her head from them. She lost her balance, and she fell into the Columbia River. Freezing cold water, she's able to pull herself out, but it's so cold, she's lying prostrate, prostrate on the ground, shivering, practically losing consciousness, or having lost consciousness. And there is Bowie. She looks up, and she sees this guardian angel. Jim, the roommate, comes, sees Bowie right next to Drajika. They get Drajika back to the house, get her to the, um, the hospital, and she's not, she doesn't speak English very well. She's trying to explain to the doctors that she was saved by a guardian angel. <laughs> and of course, you know what's going on here, right? Bowie was dressed as a guardian angel. But the rest of the story is, Bowie was a three and a half year old Labrador retriever. 
that had retrieved and had stood guard by her until help came. I believe that spirit, I really believe this, that spirit answers our prayers at just the right time and in just the right way. But it is up to us to keep our minds open. It is up to us to keep our eyes open. It's up to us to practice having a tender and warm heart, to pay attention to what's going on inside of us, but never so much so that we stop paying attention to where there is a hurt or a need or an opportunity to be of service to another. You and I are the hands of God. We are the feet of God. We are the heart of God. I'll close with a piece called, What Do Angels Look Like? This was forwarded to me by Tara Terry's. Like the little old lady who returned your wallet yesterday. Like the taxi driver who told you that your eyes light up the world when you smile. Like the small child who showed you the wonder in simple things. Like the poor man who offered to share his lunch with you. Like the rich man who showed you that it really is all possible if you only believe. Like the stranger who just happened to come along when you had lost your way. Like the friend who touched your heart when you didn't think you had one left to touch. Angels come in all sizes and shapes, all ages and skin types. Some with freckles, some with dimples, some with wrinkles, some without. They come disguised as friends, enemies, teachers, students, lovers, and fools. They don't take life too seriously, for you see they travel light. They leave no forwarding address. They ask nothing in return. They wear sneakers with gossamer wings. They get a deal on dry cleaning. They are hard to find when your eyes are closed, but they are everywhere you look when you choose to see. God bless you. Namaste. Namaste.